Welcome to the Switch Leader Podcast, where we decide today the leader we will be tomorrow. Well, what's up, friends? And welcome to the Switch Leader Podcast. This week, we are in week three of our series, Dangerously Influential. If for some reason this is your first week here, um, James is going to give us a quick review of where we've been so far. So James, it's all you. Yes. So we kicked off this semester with this series called Dangerously Influential, where we are helping our students understand how to make the right friends and change the world together. Because if we just look at what it really means to be the church, the people of God, what we're describing is a group of friends committed to following Jesus together. And as we do, he leads us to change the world in his name. So in week one of this series, we began with the basics. How do we actually make the right friends? Because while this may seem so simple and obvious to some of us, for many of our students, that is not the case. Actually, right. one of the greatest fears they have going into a new school year is whether or not they will be able to make friends. And so we looked at the life and example of Jesus to show us how to make the right friends and do it in a way that is life-giving for everyone involved. That was week one. In week two, we talked about how to strengthen our friendships. And here we looked at the example of the early church found in Acts chapter two. And it was from those early Christians, we learned some really important lessons about how to make time together a priority, about what it looks like to sacrifice ourselves to serve our friends and the importance of keeping Jesus at the center. Because when he is at the center, our differences do not divide us. They yeah. actually make us stronger. So that was week one into how to make friends and strengthen our friendships. Now, in this upcoming week of Switch, we're learning how to get vulnerable. And thankfully, our dear friend, the official, unofficial, temporary host of this podcast, the one and only <laughs> Caitlin Gaffrey, is going to help us take this idea of vulnerability to where it's not just something that's popular to talk about. Right. It's actually something we help our students put into practice. So, Caitlin, can you give us an overview of what this week is going to look like. What can we expect? What are we going to learn? And then how can we be prepared moving into our switch groups? Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to talk about vulnerability. And uh, people may get up and run out of the room when I say that. But actually, I hope <laughs> that they don't. <laughs> because you're right. Like I think it's a buzzword in our culture. But so often, we don't actually know what vulnerability is why we should be vulnerable, or how to actually do it. Right. So those are the questions that we're going to answer in this message. And we're going to kick the whole thing off by defining what vulnerability actually is. The dictionary defines vulnerability as the quality or state of being exposed to the possibility of harm. <laughs> and like when I learned that, I was like, oh, okay, that changes things a little bit. Because I think that right. we've gotten like kind of comfortable with a cultural definition of vulnerability where we say things like, hey, bro, it's okay to not be okay. But that's it. Right. Like we don't actually unpack the like not okayness that we're experiencing. Yeah. And so vulnerability is not safe because it's exposing ourselves to the possibility of harm. Right. But it's still good. Come on. Because it is the thing that leads to the relational intimacy we all really, really want. And so we're going to talk about how a thriving community requires vulnerability. 
And we're going to continue looking at the example of the early church in Acts to do that. We're going to read from Acts 4, 32 through 34. That's going to be the teaching text for this week. And I'll just go ahead and read it right now so that us as leaders can just be soaking in this thing because it's so good. Acts 4, 32, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. So we're going to walk our students how to be vulnerable in three steps. Step number one is going to be share what you have. Step number two is going to be be honest about what you need. And then step number three is let grace flow freely. And I'm really excited to walk through each of these things, looking at the example of the first church, because I think that something really beautiful happens in this passage where people were sharing what they had. Like no one claimed any of their possessions as their own. I jokingly said that like they took refrigerator rights to an entirely new level. (laughs) That's good. And I know that something that is true in my life, when I see people who are ridiculously generous like that, I'm way more willing to be open and honest about what is going on in my life and what I need because I can actually see tangibly that people are willing to step in and meet those needs. Come on, so it that's like good. builds this environment of trust and safety when people are like forthcoming and willing to share what they have. So when we create that environment where people are sharing what they have, not claiming things as their own, then I think that it sets us up to be honest about what we actually need. Right. And not just about the physical stuff. Like, although that is really important, like getting rides to switch and things like <laughs> that. Like, yes, some of your students need that. <laughs> but also like the emotional stuff. Come like on. when I have had a really, really crappy day and I just need someone to remind me of something true about me. <laughs> or when yep. I am like, I don't know, like down in the dumps or whatever. Or when one of my students is like, hey, I don't understand math at all and it's making me feel like an idiot. (laughs) And I get to speak Hmm. into that situation and go, okay, I'm willing to share what I have from a practical standpoint of like, maybe I can help you with multiplication or dividing fractions or whatever horrible thing that you're having to do in math. But also I can encourage (laughs) you because like your worth does not come from your ability to do this math problem successfully. Your worth comes from the fact that you are made in the image of God. So we share what we have. We're honest about what we need and we let grace flow freely. Um, In this message, I'm going to get to share about confessing slash saying the scariest thing I've ever said out loud to my best friend and how my best friend responded with so much grace and so much truth. Um, And how that was a moment that like experiencing the grace of God expressed through another person catalyzed this deep, beautiful friendship that I get to enjoy with my best friend to this day. So we are going to teach students how to confess and also how to receive a confession. And then we're going to challenge them. And this is where you guys as small group leaders come in. We're going to challenge them to practice being vulnerable in small groups on Wednesday night. And I'm super excited for this for so many reasons. But like the biggest reason is I have personally experienced the freedom 
and the joy and the healing that happens when I actually confess sins and receive grace through other people. Um, So when we talk about receiving a confession in small groups, I just laid out three really simple things that my best friend did for me. So the thing number one was to thank them. Like when someone in your group shares a confession, thing number one, thank them and let them know that what they just did took a lot of courage and boldness. Come on, dude. And then thing number two, when someone confesses in our groups, if they're okay with it, just hug them. (laughs) Like if they're okay with it, just hug them. But the big thing about that is like, you're just going to be there with them. Because I think the thing that we're most scared of is in those moments is that people are going to get up and walk away. So just like, don't walk away. Right. When they say the scariest thing they've ever said out loud, don't leave the room. Come on. Don't get up and walk away. Continue to stay and be in that moment with them. And your presence is going to bring a lot of healing. Absolutely. And then thing number three is ask, hey, how can I help? And I think, again, a great thing that that does is it takes the pressure off of you to have like the exact right thing to say. (laughs) And it just puts the ball back in that person's court to be able to go, man, I think I actually just really want you to pray for me in this way. Or man, I think I would really like accountability with this thing. So it just it just takes some of the pressure off and allows you to continue to be a compassionate presence. So all that being said, super yeah. excited for what God is going to do in small groups, for the freedom that he's going to bring, for the healing that he's going to bring as students get vulnerable with each other and with us as small group leaders. Come on, dude. Yeah, I'm really excited for this message and in particular, the conversations that will happen because you've experienced it, Caitlin. I've experienced it. I know many of our leaders have experienced the healing, the freedom, the power, the joy that comes from confessing, agreeing with God about ourselves, about the sins we've committed, the struggles we're walking through, the doubts that we have. And when we take those things out of the dark and into the light, we are exposing them to his healing love. Come on. I think it's going to be really, really special. And so what we're going to do for the remainder of this conversation is actually talk to you as the small group leader about how you can encourage, correct, and model appropriate vulnerability yeah. in your switch group. How you can encourage it, how you can correct, and how you can model. Now, here's what I mean. By encourage it, I mean encourage your students to open up? How do you create an environment where they're actually willing to do it? By correct, I mean, how do you correct those students who are not honoring the vulnerability of the other students in the circle? And then how can you model it as a switch leader? How can you be vulnerable appropriately? Because depending on your switch group, depending on the students you're in a conversation with, depending on their age, their grade, the maturity, there are certain things that should be shared and other things that shouldn't. Because this is your switch group, not your life group. Right. And so there's a level of vulnerability that is so, so valuable. But there's also the potential to go a little bit too far and be telling your students things that maybe they're not actually ready to hear. Mm. Or sharing things with them that they don't quite have the context to understand. Right. And maybe it's not the what you're sharing, but it's the how you are sharing it. And so right. we're going to talk about those things. That third one. How to model it is probably the one we'll spend a little bit more time talking about. But when it comes to encouraging appropriate vulnerability from a student, Caitlin, what advice do you have for our leaders? How can they set the tone in their switch group to let their students know that this is a safe place to be honest? 
Yeah, the first thing that comes to my mind is to just like not actually expect a level of vulnerability that you haven't prepared them for. That's good. Um, so this, realistically, this is week three of the semester. Right. You have not necessarily, especially if you have a new group of sixth graders like me, you haven't yet spent enough time with them to to like go to the depths of vulnerability <laughs> with them. Right, right. Because that's not actually safe. Like they don't yeah. actually know for sure that it is safe to go there with you yet. So if you are like demanding more of them, you are actually creating like an unsafe environment. That's really good. So don't like ask more than like the time and trust that you have built has allowed you to be able to ask for. Yeah. That's the first thing that comes to my mind is just like know where your group is at and respect the fact that trust is built over time. Yeah, I think what Caitlin said is so good. Do not expect a level of vulnerability that you have not prepared your students for. Now, at the same time, what I would encourage you to do is be upfront with them about the kinds of things that will stay in group and the kind of things that won't stay in group. What I mean by that is we are all mandatory reporters as switch leaders. So if a student opens up about abuse or suspected abuse, about harm or suspected harm to themselves or others, then we have to report that to the appropriate authorities. For you, that means looping in your coach and your youth pastor so that they can go through the right reporting process. And I would just be honest with your students up front that, hey, if you share something that is about you or somebody like else being in harm's way, I've got to report that. And that's not because I don't love you, I don't trust you or anything. It's because I care about you so much that we just can't keep that stuff in here. Yeah. Now, I totally get there is the maybe little voice in the back of your head saying, well, but what if because I tell them that they don't tell me? Like, mm. That's not on you. Mm -mm. Hopefully, the Spirit of God will be doing a deep enough work in them that they will know that actually because of that, this is exactly the time they need to be open and honest about it. Right. Now, at the same time, I would also set the expectation that that kind of stuff being shared is something that you as the leader will do and nobody else in the group should be doing it. That everybody else in the group, hey, like we're going to keep this stuff in the group. But yeah. if I as your leader feel like you or somebody else is in harm, I'm going to have to notify some people and I'm going to have to let your parents know because I love you. Yes. If you do that, then you're not going to put yourself in the situation where you feel like you're later betraying somebody's trust because of what they confided in you, because you're being upfront and honest, reminding them that, hey, this is how our relationship works. I'm with you. I'm for you. But if you're ever in danger, I'm going to put your safety above your privacy. And that is a good thing. When you do yeah. that, your students will respect you more, not less. So how do you encourage? How do you correct? And how do you model appropriate vulnerability? What I would say is you prepare your students for vulnerability. And yeah. you do not expect your students for any more vulnerability than what you have prepared them for. That's why on that yep. message guide, we've got the two questions. What sin do you need to confess and what struggle do you need to share? Right. In addition to that, let your students know right off the top what will stay in group and what won't stay in group. And that you are the one who gets to share something with the appropriate authorities if it needs to be shared outside of group. That's how you encourage it. How do you correct it? So hypothetical situation, Caitlin. Imagine oh a world where maybe a student mm -hmm. is immaturely responding mm -hmm. to someone else's sincere confession or honest vulnerability. How do you correct that situation in the moment? Yeah, that's good. 
I think uh, that's another one that is like uh, a culture setting thing. Like how do we prepare them well to be the kind of people who just like straight up listen when someone else is talking? <laughs> Uh, and yeah. that is a real struggle when we're talking about sixth graders who are just really eager to say the thing that they want to say. <laughs> and <laughs> right, so right. I think probably for me, how I go about correcting it in the moment is just like to speak with that vision piece. Like, hey, fill in the blank name. Remember how we wanted to be a group that was there for each other? Because like I said, when we like when we started our group, we said we wanted to be this kind of group. And remember how you said you want to be a group that was was there for each other? So don't you think it would be a cool way to be there for fill-in-the-blank who's sharing if we actually listen to what they said? And that's probably how I'd go about correcting in the moment, like sharing that vision, casting that vision and that culture piece that we're working on. Yeah, that's fantastic. The way I would do it with my group is if somebody's being honest and sharing vulnerably and somebody else is either A, not listening, B, laughing, C, whatever else, could be an option. I'd say, hey, so-and-so, it seems like right now you're not doing a really good job of respecting this other person. Yeah. And I know that if you were sharing something as honest as what they were sharing, you would want them to respect you. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you to do for them what you would want them to do for you. So that means you listen. That means you be respectful. That means you're not a distraction and you're not laughing while they're sharing. And then I would turn to the student who was sharing and say, hey, I'm really sorry that that happened. Yep. Do you feel comfortable continuing to share? It's good. If they say yes, fantastic. Let's go. If they say no, then I would say, hey, I understand. I'm really sorry. If you do want to talk more afterwards, I'll be around. Yes. Because here's the thing. We all know that our students are at different places in their like life maturity and right. their spiritual maturity. And you getting to correct a student who's acting immaturely is actually one of the ways you lead them to become a fully devoted follower of Christ. Absolutely. And so you can get frustrated. You can get angry. You can be whatever. Or you can see it as one more way of moving them and everybody else who's going to see you correct them in love as a way to become more like Jesus for the sake of others. So how do you encourage? How do you correct? And how do you model appropriate vulnerability? You don't expect more vulnerability than you've prepared them for. You call it out in the moment in a way that is respectful and kind. You bring them back to the big idea of what would you want someone to do for you? Yep. And now when it comes to you as a leader modeling appropriate vulnerability, here's what I would say there. Be aware that this is your switch group, not your life group. Right. That they are teenagers and you are an adult. And if you just remember that, that's going to cover about 95% of things. Yeah. Because about 95% of things become really clear on whether it's appropriate to share or how much of it to share or how to share it with just that simple framework in mind. Yeah. The other 5% of things might be a little bit questionable. And so the best thing you can do is either talk to another small group leader, talk to your coach, or talk to your youth pastor ahead of time and let them know, hey, here's some part of my story that I'm thinking about sharing, but I want to make sure I do it well. So can you help me think through how to do this right? And they will speak into it and give you some advice and guidance to help you do it well, because we want you as a switch leader to be able to practice appropriate vulnerability with your students so that you truly are leading by example. You're not just telling them what to do, but you're inviting them to walk with you as you pursue Jesus. But at the same time, we are very aware that they're teenagers and we're adults. And so we want to make sure that we do it appropriately. Any other thoughts, Caitlin, on ways that we as leaders can model appropriate vulnerability with our students? 
Uh, the only other thought that I have is a filter that one of my coaches taught me. And she says, think through the lens of how a parent would want their kid to hear about that thing. And that just is a help, really another helpful filter, remembering that they are my small group, not my life group. And then thinking through the lens of, man, how would a parent want their kid to hear about this thing? And, you know, parents, that's really good. You know, have those conversations with their kids in different ways at different times, but like lowest barrier of entry. Like if a parent has not had this conversation with their kid, man, how, like what level of, what should I say? And that adds like a, a safety right. uh, net for me <laughs> and a filter as I'm thinking about how yeah. to say or how to share things with my group. That's fantastic. I love that. So for you as a switch leader, going into this week, we want to encourage you to model appropriate vulnerability, yeah. to correct your students when they are not receiving or honoring those who are being vulnerable, and to encourage your group to be open, to be honest, and to be there for each other because that's what we're here to do, to be the church. Come on. Friends committed to following Jesus and changing the world together. When we do, we are laying the foundation to truly become dangerously influential. That's good. Guys, I'm so excited for this week and we are praying for the conversations that you're going to get to have with your students in small group. Hey, thanks so much for checking out this episode of the podcast where we decide today the leader that we're going to be tomorrow.